1: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. Before I go any further on this Valentine's Day edition of our podcast, I want to remind everyone to leave us a five-star review. as a Valentine's Day present to us on iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Now that that's out of the way, let me introduce my co-host. Uh, our One of our regulars, Brian, is participating in what is surely going to be the basis of a mid-tier Netflix crime drama uh, set in London. But nothing could keep Ben Daniels away from me on Valentine's Day. Ben, what did you get me?
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't <laughs> think I was supposed to... Okay, you anything? You said we weren't exchanging Valentine's gifts this year. Well, I didn't mean our it. love was ben. enough. <laughs> I thought our love was enough. That's how I. Wow. You think All
1: you right. know someone? Yeah. You think you know what someone? What'd you get
0: me? I, I I I thought we were exchanging
1: <laughs> gifts. <laughs> I got you big Ange. How about that? That's what I went back in time. I got you big. Ange. I got you a large Australian.
0: Oh well, it's appreciated.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, I, I don't think we've ever recorded on Valentine's Day before. I feel like we've, we've put our significant others through a lot, but, uh, you know, we're really taking one for the team and doing this uh, a little bit earlier than usual today. So look at us. It, it's, it's a lot of romance here on Wheelie Dealer Radio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we have a good bromance at the club right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, Vicario and Romero. They were really uh, they were like they've always like made out after the last two matches.
0: Yeah. They're kind of just like psychotic Bash brothers, not I don't know yeah. that it's a romance. Oh, now I'm trying to think. There's gotta be like the vibes
1: are so good. There has to be a brilliant yeah. somewhere in this team. I mean now
0: everybody I'm, seems so happy and everybody loves everybody. But do I'm Emerson not... and Richarlson count. I guess that's
1: that's a good shout. Or is that like a Brazilian Bash Brothers situation?
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's solid. It's just hard to remember Emerson exists other than <laughs> when I see him on Instagram. Uh, you know, it's not like the you know, for Tongan and Dembele or Eric Dyer and Deli Ali, who were just such you know cornerstones of a team that those those love affairs um, were so visible and present.
1: Uh, yeah, Son Son has that like real. F- Friendly relationship with a lot of people, but yeah,
0: yeah, Sun's in a polycule with like most of the team, <laughs> I think, is what's going on there. <laughs> I don't know
1: i uh, i hadn't, I hadn't put that <laughs> image in my head uh, yet, but I, i'm I'm glad that I'm glad that Sun is expanding not only his but other people's horizons, you know, <laughs> on the team.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely he's our one superstar for a reason. He's the guy who. Makes a difference in everybody else's lives.
1: I feel like if Timo sticks around, he ne- he needs to find a good bromance because he's he feels such like an awkward fit for the team right now, like personality wise, not
0: not on. Yeah, the but he is a surprisingly good character, which I think yes. His his Chelsea tenure um, masked for me. I never realized that he was charismatic or interesting. He was just like a bubbling fool who played for is, the enemy. Is anyone on
1: Chelsea charismatic or interesting? Well, I guess interesting. not while they're there. Yeah, certainly true. not. Well, I mean, John Terry was interesting. I wouldn't call him charismatic, but he, you know, he certainly was interesting.
0: It's just a very faceless Borg-like team. Yes.
1: Not, not, well, no, see, I would disagree with that. I think that's City. I think City is the faceless Borg-like team. Like, you know, but Chelsea does strip a certain level of personality, but they all just, like, become this sort of, like, Jose Mourinho tribute act. Like, you know, it's... (laughs) That's the personality they take on. They're they're right. all just automatons at at city.
0: Right. No. Yeah. I think that's fair.
1: Well, this is this has been anyway. a pretty long conversation about bromance. I'll tell you at one last bromance thing. I'm surprised Madison doesn't have like a real solid bromance on the team. He seems like the kind of guy who would,
0: you know. I think you know he's new at the club. He's got a lot of options, and he's being very choosy. You know. He's in it for the long haul. He doesn't want to get into a fling and then realize, you know, that wasn't meant to last. And then things are awkward at his brand new home that he wants to stay at forever.
1: Do Do you think he rebuffed Eric Dyer because he knew Eric Dyer was out of favor or because Eric Dyer was trying to show him like Jean-Luc
0: Godard films and he was just like, what is this? I can't <laughs> deal with this. The yeah, big man of the Sunday roast is definitely not watching a French new wave cinema with Eric <laughs> He's like, well, Eric, have you seen Brotherhood of the Wolf? That was a pretty cool French movie. <laughs> and then Tyre just
1: decided to go to Germany for the rest of his career. Yeah,
0: I think that's 100% how that shook out.
1: Absolutely. Well, we do have a game to talk about as much as everyone wants to hear about bromance and uh, what Ben and I did or did not give to each other for Valentine's Day this year. Uh, yeah, Spurs beat Brighton Hove Albion 2-1 uh, to one at White Hart Lane. I'll tell you what is pretty great, and was a pretty great gift for Valentine's Day is a last-minute winner against a really annoying team, and I don't know, maybe on the road is is, is the only way that a last-minute winner gets better, but then you don't have the like stadium full of limbs.
0: Yeah, I think definitely the home crowd vibe uh, is where it's at. And we should note that um, our erstwhile colleague, Brian, is, was at the match this weekend, and I am very upset for him that he got to enjoy that and not me. <laughs> that's what see. That's what true romance is about not taking
1: joy in others, like you know, in, in, in the things they get to do in life, but resenting that it wasn't you. Like that's that's the true basis,
0: <laughs> right? Why should anything good happen to other people when it doesn't happen to me?
1: I think <laughs> this is this is definitely the guiding principle of my <laughs> sports fandom in all a, any team I root for. That is exactly sure. how even
0: I my do. own team. Yeah. I don't yeah, want other yeah. people to enjoy the team yeah. better than me. It it was funny
1: because I remember this weekend when I was watching the game, I was like, oh, Brian kind of went and saw a tough one. And then that shit happens. It's just like, come on, why didn't that happen to me? I just, I just watched them draw West Ham all the time. I mean, I did see a last-minute goal. Yeah, I'm never West going, there, going but... to a
0: match with you again. <laughs> We've had terrible luck together.
1: Well, we did, what, you, you had a problem getting heat stroke watching us play a, a friendly against Liverpool and, like, 100-degree sun in
0: Baltimore? Yes, I tried to hydrate by drinking, like, 30 Bud Lights, and... (laughs) Like, I think I'm detecting the problem Yeah, Baltimore was not uh, weather-appropriate for an outdoor (laughs) summer match. It was not. That was fairly miserable. But
1: let's talk about a very good game. Um, So, you know, you must have been thrilled to see Brennan Johnson, your boy, uh, vindicating his transfer fee once again.
0: I mean, I have always said this about Brennan Johnson... (laughs) He is.
1: I, it's it's weird with Johnson because he's not he, you know, I think we all want him to do all these things with the ball, but he's not a bad finisher. Like, I mean, I guess that's kind of who he is. It's just like, I guess he doesn't finish enough that that's all he could do. But it's like he is getting in the habit of scoring some of these goals. You'd like to see him score a few more if he's not going to do the other stuff. But, you know, I think it is becoming a bit of a habit for him at this point.
0: I mean, three goals in you know, 20 some games is not exactly a habit, but it's a bit of a habit to be, um, fair. you know, he has provided a decent number of assists to go along with that. I think he's coming along. I think this super sub role is a good fit for a guy with a limited skill set like that. I think, you know, he does the one thing and he does it pretty well and, uh, yeah, credit to him for getting on the end of that chance. I thought when the ball was hit his foot, he was going to sky that, um, but, it was such
1: a weird angle. For, yeah, like you, you expect that just to go straight in. He did say, and I think if you look at the goal again, like he he was talking about how it took a weird bounce at the very end, and so like, you know, credit to him for I don't care how it happened, but he got that ball yeah. in the net. So. Yeah, I mean,
0: he roofed the hell out of it. Like it looked great as a finish. It just scared me, and you know, my my uh, my priors against Brendan Johnson certainly primed me to think that this was not going to go well. <laughs>
1: that really that that assist from son that the, I mean he cut three guys out, like pushing that ball across the across the entirety of the field almost I mean what what an assist
0: yeah, and what a difference Sonny makes I mean, we have those opportunities a lot and we are really struggling to connect with those kinds of crosses and he just made it look so easy in such a short amount of time uh yeah, what a ball. Michael. I mean, just there's
1: so much end product there, and Sun is, and I'm really not trying to like be negative here about him, but because I do like him and I think he's a valuable addition to the team, but it's like it's kinda like night and day with Timo, who is, I think, a very useful player. I think a very good player, but it's all about sort of like I don't know what the best way to put it, but it's, it's all about sort of like the middle work with him it's about the hard graph but then there's just absolutely nothing i mean he's getting assists so i don't want to say absolutely nothing but you know like he could be one-on-one with a keeper and the keeper could like fall over and you you know not feel great about him putting <laughs> that where his son it's just like anything in the final third of the field just feels completely deadly when he gets his you know foot on it so
0: yeah yeah talk about a guy who your priors make you absolutely convinced that nothing good is going to happen in front of call But, you know, you're right. He is doing the other stuff well. And I did think he put in a good shift uh, against Brighton. So I guess we've kind of gotten ahead of ourselves talking about the very last thing in the match. We we had a very up and down match before that.
1: It was it was a really strange match, I thought, because, you know, to me, it seemed like Brighton was taking a page out of City's book in the way they played us in terms of the way they pressured us. And they just had this very weird man marking system, and I'm I'm probably being a little some oversimpl- sim- I'm oversimplifying things when I say this, but it felt kind of like one weird trick. And honestly, I, I feel like I'm going to go against the grain in terms of what I'm seeing Spurs fans say about this match. I thought Brighton was lucky they didn't concede more to us, especially like in that sort of middle period of the match because you know, they had this weird system where they're following us all over the pitch and we weren't doing the thing. We weren't like completely breaking it down, but we were steadily, I thought, creating a fair amount of halfway decent chances. And I just don't... I think you need so much to go right when you play us the way they played us that I just... I don't know. I don't feel like this is a sustainable way to sort of match up to Pasta Spurs. What do you feel like?
0: I mean... They pressed us very effectively for a good chunk of that match, and you know it was that kind of pressure that kept us from building out of the back um, and put us under the kind of pressure that led to us giving away the early penalty. Um, we really, really struggled to beat the press. Guys, especially you know, hate to pick on a guy coming back from a you know serious injury, but Bentancourt just really didn't look. Ready, And as the guy kind of tasked with cycling the ball from the center backs upfield, he was getting his pocket picked all day. He could not, you know, turn his man, he couldn't find the next pass. Um, And, you know, they really put him under a lot of pressure in particular. Um, But, you know, I think that said, you know, we were looking like we're in for a rough day. And after the penalty, we started getting our act together. And we started moving the ball with a little more confidence and a little less sloppiness. Um, and I think the next middle, I don't know, sixty minutes, fifty minutes, were pretty comfortably Spurs. Um, and you know, we weren't, we still weren't able to take that press and beat it with like quick balls in behind. You know, we've talked about this last time, but. Destiny was still not hitting Timo's runs early. He was missing that a lot. Um, Kulishevsky had a real off day and wasn't able to, you know, pick those passes that he, again, ultimately would for for SARS goal. But uh, everybody was just struggling to generate that, translate that possession into into generating opportunities. Um, And so, you know, I thought we were the better team, but we weren't enough better that it felt like, you know, we deserved more out of, out of that period. Yeah,
1: I guess that's right. I guess my thought about it is it's just like, that's a really hard way to play. And they played that way. You know, it mostly worked uh, if you want to, you know, I mean, we didn't score our winner till the 97th minute, but that's just a really hard way to play. And I think it was really reliant on, we had three or four players who were generally better than this or should be better than this. now. You know, like, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think a healthy core gets his pocket picked nearly as much as he did today. I don't think, you know, I think Madison probably hits a few more passes like that one. I mean, he did hit a couple. Like, I mean, there was like, he created that chance for Charleston earlier in the match. But like, you know, I think we're sort of finding those spaces they were vacating in midfield a little bit more often if some of these guys are sharper. But, you know, they weren't. So... I mean, maybe, you know, it, maybe it was the valid approach. I just think if you play this way against us and you're not Manchester City or a team like that, it's just like, ah, that is a dangerous way to live against yep. a, t- a Spurs team.
0: Yep, absolutely agree. I mean, that he, he, we saw it. It was very effective until it wasn't. And as soon as we beat the press, we were flying down the pitch with a lot of guys who are, you know, very quick and very dangerous in front of goal. And, you know the chances we got we, we put away very well um and there are other chances that we you know could have scored from too and the kinds it was very it's a very high variance i guess way of playing i'd say um you know they they what they really needed to do was turn that into more chances for them yes and that is really where they struggled until that last 20 minutes um where if you're a Brighton fan, you'd probably feel hard done by because they were really in the ascendancy when we scored that that second goal. Um, You know, Matoma especially was just ripping us open down um, their left, our right side. Um, And that's the kind of thing that was kind of surprising that they weren't able to generate more of um, Mm -hmm. by being so disruptive with the press. And so, you know, you can't, if you're Brighton, you can't play such an aggressive style that leaves you so vulnerable to the counter and not, not turn that into more chances than they did. And they only took five shots besides the penalty. Like you just can't play like that and do that little with the ball. So
1: I was surprised that they were so much in the ascendancy at the end. Cause like part of what was happening towards the end of that match was, I mean, part of the reason we got that goal was they were gassed. Like they, they couldn't keep covering us the way they did, but you know, Matoma kept finding an extra gear. I mean, Welbeck was running his socks off all day, which is annoying. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It was, what do you think of the subs? Like let's going into that. Cause I think, you know, that's been sort of much discussed amongst at least my circles of Spurs fandom, but it was, you know, I think on paper, I thought it was a good, like, you know, okay, these are the guys you might want to throw on against the tired Brighton team. But, you know, I think, you know, it took them a while to sort of feel their way into the game. And in particular, I think we lost sort of the one player we have in the final third, he's capable of holding up the ball in Kulishevsky. And it really, I don't know, it, it was very disruptive in a way that maybe I wasn't, I wouldn't have anticipated um, in terms of, I, I guess I didn't think Brighton had that much gas left in the tank.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, so our first set of subs were, you know, the underperforming Benton core for Basuma. Pretty like for like hoping a guy who's maybe a little more press resistant and a guy who is. Not coming off of a serious knee injury, and then Sonny and Johnson for timo and and like arguably the first choice you know guys mm-hmm. um and yeah i i I don't know that we like necessarily subbed ourselves out of the game, but like we had finally gotten Kulishevsky cooking right before we subbed him, and I think that was just like a a big shock to the system of. Okay, we figured out a way to move the ball through the press a little bit and like where those angles of passing are going to come from. And then suddenly in his spot, we had Brendan Johnson. And then the guy who you want as the outlet was on the other side of the pitch. And we never seemed to really adjust. And, you know, Basuma, I don't know that I would say Brendan Core grew into the game, um, but Basuma never really seemed like a, a big upgrade i don't I don't recall Basuma doing anything like of note to to change things um and then it got worse and worse as we made more and more defensive subs, you know bringing on Ben davis and and Hoiberg. just you know again
1: at least at least we didn't go to three at the back again, and yeah, thank God. like really play with fire.
0: Yeah, that was that has been a disastrous change every time we've done it, and I hope that now that we have bodies back, that we're not going to see that again. No offense to Dragachin, but like, that's just not a thing that works. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, whatever. We got away with it. Um, we did enough. I think we were a good value for the win, even with the penalty. We went out on you know expected goals. Um, yeah. But I think that doesn't really tell the whole story. It was... Brighton did not seize the advantage and gave us enough of a foothold to come back into the match, and we took it it's it's there, I don't know
1: it, i haven't I haven't watched a ton of Brighton this year, but it was certainly a change of pace from how they looked sort of early in that those first like five or six weeks of the season when they were just flying all over the pitch and Evan Ferguson looked like the next coming of, you know, I don't know he, or just looked like the next great English striker, I guess, but it was just like they seemed like they were flying early in the season and they were, you know I, that was such. Like you said, it was like they had such little attacking intent in this game, certainly until the very end.
0: Yeah, people do kind of wonder if, you know, Graham Potter, uh terrorist that he is, uh, you know, they were kind of still trading on the defensive structures that he had put in place while they were, you know, bringing Deserby's attacking stuff on board. And now that they've moved more fully into Deserby ball, they've lost some of that defensive salinity and then Evan Ferguson's knee is kind of fucked up and so they're playing guys like Danny Welbeck who we all know is not good even though he always seems to score against us um you know they've had injuries it's a young team maybe some second season syndrome i don't know but yeah they i mean they beat the shit out of us the last time we played them so and they still almost drew that yeah. game <laughs> yeah you know i think their game's been very like this where they score a lot concede a lot it's very open i never know with them uh so i, I thought
1: if uh, we, we were talking before the podcast about like how sort of hard it is to pick a man of the match for spurs here and i think i might just give it to Son on reflex but um i'll tell you the player i was really happy with even if like i, I don't know it doesn't feel like a man of the match performance but i thought it was you could see how much we missed him. And that was Sar, who I thought was just like, you know, didn't dominate the match, but like was just very good. And it was nice to see him just roaming all over the pitch again. And that goal was incredible. Like, I mean, from, yeah, you know, I mean, just taking that goal was like that he was able to get that in the net was really impressive.
0: Yeah. I thought he was great. The composure, like that, that goal was so chaotic in the, Blocked cross, which should have been like you know a a great move with a tap into retar- for Richardson, and then you know the block cross that almost turns into a yeah. home goal, and then bounces back to him at, an, at a crazy tight angle, and he just so calmly curls that in. Yeah, it was like everyone else was still trying to figure out what had happened there, and he just put it in the back of the net, and at,
1: at such a ridiculous angle. That was, I mean, yeah, and he just made it look so easy. And then you know you gotta love. You know, you got you got to love him just running into the fans and get a yellow card, like just you know, like really delightful stuff from him. I remember, I guess it was last year, maybe it was two years ago, but when Arsenal, probably last year, because things were more miserable for us, but like when Arsenal was like really in their ascendancy last year with that really young team of guys who came through the academy. I, I remember at some point just having a moment where it was just really depressing because it felt like sort of the reverse of like what happened with us in 2015 when you know, we just had all these young guys coming through and Arsenal looked very like, like a sort of creaky relic. And it was just sort of like, man, we don't have anybody come like young coming up or anything like this. And now, you know, we have all these really exciting young stars, but in particular, a guy like Sarr, who didn't come through our youth academy, but you know, has been kind of like knocking around the club for like two, three years now and just seeing him really explode into such an important player this year. It's like, you know, it's, it's been really delightful to watch, especially when I consider how sort of just like, you know, depressing it was watching guys like Martinelli and Saka, you know, sort of, you know, really stamp their authority on this new, new, new generation of Arsenal.
0: Yeah, it is definitely nice to be there again. And I know, you know, that's a very the idea is that you should grow this team into a senior side that's really good and not just be like 21 year olds who are exciting and have a, you know, potential greatness ahead of them, but to actually get there. Um, But yeah, it's a big change from having like these washed guys who were just like, you know, past their sell by date five years ago. No offense to everyone who we loved during the Pochettino years, but um, yeah, to be back in that exciting phase when, everyone is a possible superstar and you know seeing these young kids come through um is great and also by the way arsenal's young team of academy products like odegaard and martinelli are young but they're not academy products they bought them from other places yes, yes, at around yes. 18 years old you know like they like to pretend like they're all a bunch of homegrowns but like nobody on that team is a homegrown player except for Saka. so i don't want to hear
1: it it's just it's it's nice that especially when it looked like we were kind of getting lapped by them in terms of at least in this aspect. Well, I mean, at the time, we were getting lapped by them in a lot of aspects. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just it, it, there's something really exciting about. You know, like you said, you want a team of like accomplished superstars who ho- hopefully you have grown in some form or fashion. But there is something very exciting about having a very good player who might get even better. And you know, I think Sar in particular has just been a real, I don't even want to say revelation, because he's not, he kind of just does a lot well. It's not like, again, I, I always go back to that sort of Gareth Bale analogy. It's not like he does this one physical trait that just sort of blows you away, and it's obvious what he does. He's just sort of everywhere on the pitch. He's very tidy on the ball. He progresses everything. He just sort of makes the team better in a way that, is sometimes very obvious, but it's not always very obvious. And I thought this was a you know a game where just like you could see, like God, we've really been missing him in midfield for the last month or however long it's been.
0: Yeah, he is just the engine of this team in a very physical and passing and shooting and everything sort of sense. It's just he does he makes a lot work.
1: Um, it's 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 also nice to have a midfielder who can score goals who like that isn't the only thing they do like we're you know like oh it's just a thing he's got in his locker as opposed to you know
0: like okay well he can score goals so we got to put him on the pitch but he can't pass or he can't like run or whatever right i don't think we bought sar with the expectation that he was like a box crashing goal scoring midfielder like he's just also does that now
1: well, it, again, and that's the other great thing about youth player, about, about younger players who start to emerge. It's like we had all these issues when the year started and we were sort of wondering how we were going to fix them. And oh, wait, <laughs> this guy already on our team is going to get be given half given half a chance. And all of a sudden, you know, and partly because Benton Corps was hurt. Um, you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's like it's 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 nice to be back in a situation where this kind of thing is working out for us.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And we have so many beautiful young boys. <laughs> <laughs> Happy, Valentine's Day Happy Valentine's in a very uncomfortable Day. way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mickey, Destiny, Sarr, they're everywhere.
1: Brannan, does he count? Is he too
0: old? No, he's young. Okay. He's, he's not He's, he's that not wonderful beautiful. And beautiful. <laughs>
1: Uh, not with that scar on his face. Did that did that ruin it for you? Is that is that what happened?
0: Does he have a scar on his face? I don't know. Yeah, about he's that. got he
1: got when he got like screwed... it's like right above his eyebrow. You haven't noticed that? He got like that game he got all fucked up in earlier this year. He's got a nice I
0: don't got remember. A, oh, you got to I don't a lot see people's stitches. flaws like that. Craig. Oh, okay. All right. I thought you would have just
1: enjoyed that a little bit more. Um no. Uh, let's jump back. So we would talk about our beautiful young boys. Let's talk about (laughs) our beautiful older boys. Uh, you know, the ancient creaky 26 year old, uh, Rodrigo Pentancor. Um, so obviously he is working his way back and I don't know about fitness is the right with her, maybe sharpness. I'm not sure. I mean, again, maybe this is just a question for coaches and it depends, but like when you've got a player like that, Is that, I mean, do you think he just needs to play his way back into shape? Is he just someone who needs some more rest? I mean, what do you do with a player like who clearly has still has it? It's just he's coming off of two catastrophic injuries and clearly needs time in some form or fashion. But like, how would you approach a player like him right now?
0: Yeah, I don't I am not a a sports scientist or, you know, even a fake sports scientist. um, But when you have a serious injury like that, it's not just the injury itself that's the problem it's you can't exercise in the same way you lose strength and quickness and things like that your general fitness levels drop because obviously with a busted knee you are not you know able to maintain those levels of fitness and that is a big part of it you know there's other injuries that sort of manifest as you you know compensate for that injury and
1: or confidence issues in terms of just whether or not what your body can do, what you trust it to do. Right,
0: exactly. So, you know, I think it is the kind of thing that, I don't know that you necessarily need to play him through it. Like just training can probably get him a lot of the way back there. Um, But I think it's a big question of, you know, what's it going to take to get him back there? And I think Foster Coglu has said, you know, he came back early to help the team. Um, Ideally, he would have been rehabbing for longer. Uh, And that's not great to hear, but it doesn't seem like it's, like, a risk to, like, re-injury knock on a lot of wood. It just seems like he is not back to sharpness. So, I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to have questions about him coming into this summer. Uh, I think i will have one year left on his deal. He'll be 27. And, I mean, he doesn't, like. We're not, it's not like we're seeing like a hollowed out
1: shell right now. I think it's sort of easy to forget that he did get better in this game, even though he was getting his pocket pick. I think the thing that's sort of, I think I'm certainly doing this. And I would imagine a lot of other Spurs fans are doing something similar is like when he came back from his first injury and admittedly it was only for like what two matches, three matches, something like that. Like, I mean, he looked like he hadn't missed the beat. And I think certainly whether consciously or unconsciously, I think we were all kind of expecting that again, and he probably does need time. And I think one advantage we have now, like you said, Coglu said he, you know, came back maybe a little earlier than he should have to help the team. But like one advantage of where we are now is like, okay, Basuma's is back. You know, Sars back. Like we can probably afford to rotate him a little bit now. And I think we're still going to see him on the pitch. But you know, I think we are in a situation where like, okay, if he needs a game off, or you know, just needs to come off in the 60th minute or come on as a sub, like I think we could start playing around with that also.
0: Yeah. Having bodies back again, makes such a difference. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what, what Basuma is uh, at this point. Again, another one of the older members of our squad, another guy who doesn't have, I think a ton of time left on his deal. Um, But I think we have a half a season to figure out, you know, what we have in them, how good they are going to be, how much we project them to get better. Um I don't know. I, I like both of those players, and I think they're both they both at their best have been you know great for us. Um, I think Bendigcor, his absence was like extremely underrated um, and what a miss he was. so and SAR even like even as much of a problem as it was, Sar kind of covered
1: up for a lot of that, um which speaks to him. I think like honestly if you were to ask me right now, like who would you be more comfortable giving an extension? You know, probably Bentoncourt for me. I mean, Basuma was great at the early in the season, but his form's been all over the place. And, you know, he's had those injuries. Like, I mean, I'm not ready to write either of them off, but, you know, like, I, I frankly have more confidence in Bentoncourt to sort of get back to the state he was in than I do in Basuma, Um, which isn't to say we should give up on Basuma, but.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, again, we'll know a lot more by the end of the season. It is just a tough question of, of you know, they are guys who are 27 do you want to buy them their, you know, years into their early thirties, or is that a position that we should be getting younger at, you know, for, for one of them, um, you know, to sort of maintain the sort of age curve we're building here with this team. Um, I don't know. It's a tough call. And we have a lot of other business to do, and I don't know if that's a priority. So that's another thing that kind of makes it. I can't imagine that we're not going to, Let's try to sort that
1: out this summer. Um, my guess is both are going to get extensions of some form or fashion. Um, you know, who doesn't want to be a part of Vibes FC? Um, but we'll, we'll see. Cause like, you know, Timo, um, you know, is up for a uh, purchase clause. I would be, I would bet we're probably going to keep him around unless he just really takes a nosedive for the rest of the season. Um, you know, there's stuff to do. We, we, I think we like all the sort of reporting out there is Spurs are sniffing around. Um, you know sort of like upscale wingers um right now nico williams name keeps coming up which i would be very i'm skeptical we have what it takes to get him but i would be very happy if we did you know so i don't know there is a lot to do and it'd be interesting to see if they have to make a tough decision on one of those guys
0: yeah i mean you know even within our midfield it's like Los and Hoybier are almost certainly gone skip maybe gone um you know, and now we that leaves us with just, you know, Sar and Madison as, as first choice midfielders. Um, we're not really in a position to cut bait on two guys who are good, uh, as good as those two are, um, while we refresh the midfield around them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we end up just keeping them around and hoping that they get better and also bar competent backups. And I mean, Bedicore especially is like such a multi position backup that He can really do it
1: all, especially if he keeps scoring goals, which we have no... I mean, he's been doing that um, since he came back. So, Uh, I want to take a second to do a temperature check on the team, because I know you've been a little frustrated with our sort of like up and down form, or at least, what's the best way to put this? Our inability to put together a strong 90 minutes, um, or a complete 90 minutes. Uh, So, you know, after... You know, a game that I think was maybe, like, on its surface felt worse than it really was. How how are you feeling about where the team is right now? Obviously, there's a lot of caveats with injuries and what have you. But how are you feeling about the team right now?
0: Yeah, you know, getting that win. Where's the pendulum? (laughs) Getting that win goes a long way. Like, if we had not scored, or at least even if we had drawn that match, I would have felt annoyed (laughs) in a way that now I feel pretty good about that game because I think I do think, you know, it was a frustrating game to watch um you know, going looking so bad early and then sort of laboring to the victory is is not always especially fun. after that Everton match. Right, right, exactly. You just sort of felt like some heartbreaker was around the corner. Um you know, I guess I, I'm at, I'm at a point where I feel good because we have guys coming back and we have a, I'm able to sort of mentally hit the reset button and say, okay, we muddled through that, you know, four month dark period in the wilderness where guys were hurt and absent for, you know, international tournaments. And here we are in fourth place, five points behind arsenal. Um, You know, now is the point of the season where we kick on, you know, this is this last 14 game stretch. Um, if we can do something like we did in that initial, you know, stretch of the season when we, you know, looked unstoppable and Ange was winning manager of the month every single month, um, you know, I don't think it's crazy to, like, dream on something like that. I think, you know, maybe that's a bridge too far, but I think we have nowhere to go but up at this point, you know, we're the team is back. So, what have we learned, you know, in, and six months here, or however long it's been. And, you know, with the first choice personnel, can we put it all in place? So I feel great until our first loss, whatever that is. I, I think something
1: that goes a little bit underappreciated, I think we kind of take it for granted. Cause you know, we talk about, we talk about, you know, the sort of lack of, you know, all the issues we've had with form and, you know, like I said, there's, there's reasons for that, some of which are our fault, a lot of which aren't. But, you know, you want to look at some of these other teams that have suffered real serious injury crisis, crises this year. And it's like, and I know that a lot of these teams have had Europe. You look at Brighton. I mean, you look at Chelsea. You look at Newcastle. You look at, well, Chelsea doesn't have any Europe, so they're even a better comparison. But um, they are managed by a fraud, which is, you know, difficult. But um you know Manchester United. It's it's these teams have not managed the issues we've had nearly as well. You know, and again, we've been in fewer competitions, so that surely plays into it. But Newcastle, I mean, I, I feel like Newcastle fans are living off that like one game against PSG, and the vibes from that are kind of keeping them off the ledge this year. But like, I mean, I, I Newcastle season's been a complete disaster. Uh, you know, I feel like. And, you know, given that they've, you know, they're owned by the Saudis and still like talking about selling some of their better players. That's like, I mean, I think this season's a catastrophe for them. And, you know, I think considering how easily this season could have been, let's say difficult for Ange um, and still be well within the realm of like an acceptable performance. I think, I think how we've kept our head above water is I, I don't think it gets enough credit. I think we've done a really good job to like grind out some maybe undeserved, but you know, over the course of the season. I think we've done a really good job keeping ourselves where we are. We're in a Champions League place. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I I think that's definitely a good point. You know, last year, Man U and Newcastle both finished in the top four. Liverpool finished fifth. Um, You know, we were bad. Um, This season, none of those other teams have really kicked on around us. You know, there's like a a, a top tier of, of City, Liverpool, and Arsenal right now. And all of those Champions League competitors have disappeared. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know it's not a sure thing that we're like a lock for top four, but we have done a remarkable job staying in that conversation where other clubs who did better than we did last year and had a a better platform, you know, to grow from haven't. And, you know, I mean, I, Chelsea is a team that we all expected to do better this season if nothing else then despite us with Pochettino. Um, so yeah, here we are. Um, I think you know the beginning of the season expectations were not this high. I think we were comfortable muddling towards something you know between sixth and eighth place with just like signs of promise on the horizon um and you know, I think we muddled through to fourth and you know it's time to start seeing, Where we can go, and we have a really, really great run of fixtures coming up. Um, The one upside to Chelsea probably winning a trophy uh, this season is that our game against them got postponed, so we have a run against a lot of mid-table teams. Um, You know, besides Villa, it's like Wolves. How is
1: Chelsea getting? How is Chelsea getting postponed affect our run against mid-table teams? Because so,
0: like the last thing you is I'm a joking, lose I'm to a joking, mid-table I'm team. Joking. Yeah, <laughs> to disrupt your your momentum. So, well, you don't mean, forget,
1: don't forget before we get off of Chelsea. Like if they if if their cup finals don't go, if their their games don't go their way, you know, we could have a chance to do something really special the next time we play
0: them. It's true. Um, oh, I guess they're playing Liverpool in the cup, so maybe they won't win that trophy. Oh,
1: don't, don't jinx it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're gonna win (laughs) Fine. I don't know Point is, is we have a good opportunity To start putting together a run With our full team And hopefully we take it Are you worried about Villa? Yes, I mean I think they're a good side I think they are thin (laughs) And I think injuries are starting to wear on them And they're sliding a little bit Um, But, you know we, we muddled through an injury hit period they could too
1: early returns aren't promising yeah um, even though I think that United was incredibly lucky to win that game against them this week so
0: yeah I mean you know they're coming off a big one you know it was Sheffield United but like they still are capable of of really crushing mediocre teams um I don't know. I think, I think, you know, we're now at the point where things are turning favorably for us. And they're at the point where things are turning unfavorably for them. So hopefully our positions in the table start to diverge in a way that reflects that. Um, but, you know, they're dangerous and, you know, Manu is not that far behind and they're in a pretty good run right now. Uh, now that have- like, I, like my Villa thing is a lot of my
1: priors and just like, you know, some biases coming. I, I don't think the United thing is for real. I think they are like, that is, I think United's current run is a bit fraudulent and I think they're going to come back down to earth pretty quickly, but maybe I'm wrong, but you look at that goal difference and it's just like,
0: Hey, boy, they do, I don't know. Yeah. But they, I mean, yeah, they stole a draw against Spurs and then rattled off.
1: They stole, they stole three points against Villa. So I mean, yeah,
0: they're rattling off some successes. They have Harry Maguire back, who is you know the linchpin of that team. Old slabhead himself. I'm not even sure if I'm joking. Uh, you might not be
1: actually. So, but
0: I don't know. Hoyland finally started scoring like every match ever since you know that he annoying. broke his duck. Yeah, it's, we have enough of a cushion over them. You know, six points is a lot of points.
1: Um, but we well, don't you know, look. I, I like. I will say like you watch Villa. Again, I think we're a better team than Villa, and I do mean that. Um, but you can see where the injuries are really, you know, like you were talking about, they got a thin squad. Um, you look at um United, I mean, you, you watch those games, that that really feels to me like they're getting away with something in a way that, you know, I don't entirely feel I think Villa is I don't think Villa's as good as us, but I don't think I don't think they're completely fraudulent in the way that I don't know. I am very unconvinced. by. I'm still unconvinced by United, even with Hoyland scoring all of a sudden.
0: So the real question isn't who's breathing down our necks. It's can we overhaul Arsenal five points ahead of us? God, that would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great?
1: Like...
0: I mean, yes. If their you know, peaking near-title-winning team succumbs to first season rebuilding year, Ange, I think, would be story of my life. I really, so
1: re- I really hate it. I know that like everyone's play has something to do with it, but like I thought West Ham was very fortunate to get a win against us earlier in the year. And to watch them completely capitulate against the Arsenal was very frustrating. <laughs> like-
0: yeah. Especially because you know we're going to play a fucking very annoying game against West Ham yep. very soon. No matter how well, we're playing elsewhere at the time. It's just one well, of those that, games. that
1: game that we played against them earlier in the year, it felt like we should have scored like five times. It also felt like if we put one more goal away before they started scoring, like, you know, that could have gotten ugly anyway. I mean, I yeah,
0: this was. is what happens when you, as a team, are enemies with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> all these easy, winnable games become much more challenging. You know, we don't do ourselves any favor by being every mid-table club's idea of a rival. It It is less than
1: ideal. Um, we have a few questions from some listeners before we get out of here today. Uh, Michael Bergman wants to know if we've lost weight. Um, thanks for noticing, I guess. <laughs>
0: That's a weird question. But I don't yeah. think that, no. Well, you know, I will say dry January did help in that regard. <laughs> and I spent the last two weeks trying to undo that. But uh, yes, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, Ken wants to know:
1: uh, With everyone finally back and healthy, what is your preferred midfield? Who would you run out there
0: in in any given game right now? Uh, I mean, I think I am skeptical enough of Bentoncore that I would like to see Basuma in, J- just to see. I, I I can't decide who's better yet, um, but I think you know we need to see what Basuma has to offer for ninety minutes. Uh, and then Sar and Madison, I think, are yeah. just automatic at this point.
1: I think I go like let's say for the sake of argument, the Spurs have like a semifinal or a final coming up next week. I think I'd still lean for Bentoncore, but I agree with you at least in the short term. Like I want to see what Basuma's got in the tank right now, um, what he's capable of. Uh, but yeah, like if you just if we happen to have a very crucial game coming up, I'd still probably lean towards Bentoncore. But we don't, so. At least in the short term, I'm with you. I'd like to see Basuma in there with those. And I think you're right. It's Sar and uh, Madison. James Madison. James Madison, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> one of our founding fathers. The real um, question is who
0: your first choice front three is.
1: Ooh, that is tricky. Um, like, assuming health is fine. Like
0: Yeah, we got everybody back. So who are you taking next match? Roll them out.
1: Son, Richarlson, it's Kulishevsky. I think, like, he just does, like, I know he's frustrating, but, like, I think he, if if it's his day, he does too much to not put him in there. And I like Timo, but there's just so much. Yeah, Son just is so much more dangerous in the
0: final third. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I like having them as late subs, tired legs. Yes. And I like Kulishevsky as a late sub. Yeah, what's cool is Shefsky going to do just throw his ass into someone. I mean,
1: it's like, you know, I mean, honestly, yeah, that is valuable, as we've seen um, against our keeper in the last few weeks. But, um, yeah, I, I I would rather have them uh, running at people on tired legs. And, yeah, honestly, I'd be – because I don't think we've – I don't think we've done that with Timo yet. And I would like to see what that looks like because maybe against some tired, sloppier defenders, he might actually put one in. Um, or, or, I mean, he's created plenty of assists, but maybe he'll do that. Uh, speaking of, um, Captain Honeybadger wants to know if Timo has done enough to make the deal permanent.
0: Oh, I think absolutely. At that price point, he wouldn't, he didn't have to do a lot to justify, you know, 15, 17 million, whatever it is. But I'm, yeah, I'm very pleased with his contribution so far. He's got two assists in four games and has looked bright otherwise. Great.
1: I agree. My only caveat is I don't either through occupying a roster place or um, the money. I, I don't want to, I wouldn't sign him if it's at the expense of getting someone like Nico Williams, like someone, you know, who's really a star who you think is going to push us to the next level. But, you know, as a sort of squat plus squad player. Yeah, I think he's absolutely great. I would love to keep him around. Um, I don't think he's going to keep, like if we're really, Thinking about seriously getting a guy like Nico Williams, I don't think Timo Werner is going to affect that one way or the other. But
0: yeah, I mean, not at that price tag, certainly not. It's not like we're like, oh, we spent the Nico Williams money.
1: Yeah. On Well, and I think, yeah, if we're able to get a guy like that, I think we're much more likely to fuck off a guy like Solomon than we are a guy like Timo. So, you know.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Timo is a good multi position backup also. Like we haven't used him as a striker, but he does have utility there. Um, well, depending on how you look at it, but yeah. You know, yeah, fine. Utility maybe <laughs> not, but he can't stand in that position and run around from that from that location on the Correct. pitch to his credit. <laughs> Correct. He is physically capable of occupying that role on the pitch. Yeah. Uh
1: lunch enjoyer wants to know which Tottenham player, coach, or chairman is getting your rose this Valentine's Day? I mean, is there any question here? Yeah, it's Ange. It's Ange. Big Ange, yeah,
0: it's Big Ange. I'm a bear man, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and just my we, guy. <laughs> you are now. Uh, we aren't we all? Yeah. Um, and you know what? I I feel like we need to ask this one again next week. Um, but you know when Brian's back. But uh, you know we, we might as well ask this now. Uh, Stop, Cop City wants to know, uh, which current or former Spurs player would you most enjoy taking to the slopes for a day?
0: Oh man. The thing is, is like most people are just very annoying when there's like, yeah, like there's not there's not like anybody. I'm like, oh, yeah, this would be a good time. But uh, so the question is, who would be a funny time, I guess? Yeah. I mean, who's it? It really is just like, who are you? Who are you going hard with in the paint? You know, like you're out all night. You're having a good time, whether you're skiing or not. It's really the same question um so who 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 do you think would do i I think i have my answer
1: for this if if, if that's what we're looking for like who's who are you going to spend all night and part of your morning going hard in the paint with i think it's kyle walker
0: uh kyle walker who (laughs) you certainly know uh can handle himself uh
1: (laughs) well you want to get divorced like you know come on kyle's your man (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't think he's on the squad anymore, though, Greg.
1: Oh uh, well, he said former in the tweet, but okay, okay. Oh, current he didn't say squad. former. We can say former, um, but current squad. Let's let's do both. Uh, current squad. Uh, oh man, Romero.
0: You know, I think Romero on the <laughs> you're slopes, gonna make some
1: mistakes. If <laughs> make some like, mistakes, let's make some mistakes. Like.
0: Yeah, it's just Romero is already on such a keyed up, like. <laughs> concerning uh energy level that i'm worried what happens when you tip him over that edge
1: i feel like hoiberg might be a sneaky pick here like that seems like a man
0: ready to make some bad decisions yeah honestly i th- i would peg Hoyberg to be more likely to fight a stranger than romero on the slopes <laughs> Yeah,
1: because well, but with Hoiberg, it'll just come out of nowhere. Uh, right, like there'll be no build-up, Whereas like Romero will be like yelling at the guy across the bar for like an hour. You
0: yeah, know? Ho- 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 Hoiberg has like a quietly dangerous mental energy. Yeah, it's just like a little. I think
1: Madison might be the most annoying guy to take to the slopes on this. No team.
0: question. <laughs>
1: like, no question. He wants you to get like 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 I don't know a yogi bear tattoo like by the end of the night. It'll just be he'll be talking about it the entire night it'll, so, it would be very annoying yeah
0: yeah i mean the guy who thinks he's big man at the sunday roast you know is just needling at you with the jokes and comments and for hours um yeah i don't know i mean maybe the answer is just sar just like a fun guy who like
1: man we, we can't <laughs> we, he's too innocent to go to this slopes so what about vicaria that's true
0: uh, yeah, I, I would want to corrupt Sar like that, but
1: I, I feel like Vicario would just like disappear and like show up wearing a bucket or something. <laughs> you know, just like like it wouldn't be a night with him. He would just you would lose track of him, and you'd be very concerned. And then like you know he'd right. show up.
0: He would have tales to tell the next yes, day. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Well, we'll have to ask Brian. Brian, I think, will be the real expert when you it's know, as, the, as a skier in our crew. <laughs> Um, On that note, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. Uh, I talk about uh, the Wolves game, but I just think Dread is sort of the default mode. Are they... Actually, one real quick point. Do you think Wolves is a bogey team for us now?
0: Uh, I don't know. They do feel frustrating, but... We always seem to have dumb results against them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what our actual record is in matches against them, but... It looks like we're seven wins, four draws, and five losses... I just remembered. Which, yeah, like, that's more even than you'd want it to be against the team yes, like Wolves.
1: Yes. I remember, I feel like the Wolves game, I, and I have no idea if this is accurate, but I feel like we conceded some really dumb late goals when, like, Conte was, you know, like, telepathically communicating with Stellini back. And I feel like that was when our season really started to go off the rails last year. I don't know if that's true or not, but in my head, that's how I remember it. So, I don't know yeah
0: uh the good thing about Wolves is we get to watch uh Pedro Neto in person who we may sign this summer so how much would
1: you like Pedro Neto on this team oh I I love him I think he's fantastic um if you had to pick a guy to like go for is he is he the guy you'd pick I mean mean, Mendez makes that a, a little
0: from a Premier League centric mindset you know I think he is great I think he does a lot of things we need um we know he can cut it in the league. Uh, he has really fantastic delivery. He can beat a man. Uh, yeah, I his injuries really think... aren't soft tissue injuries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think his he looks like he has put those behind him. Doesn't look like it's the kind of thing that's going to like recur. But you yeah. think you'd like to take him to the slopes? I don't know. You know, I don't really know him as a, as a man. It's mm-hmm. hard to say.
1: <laughs> we'll have to find out. We'll have to yeah. find out. On that note, it really is time to wrap it up. Uh, ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Spurs. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. You can also find me on Blue Sky at just plain old Skipjack. Don't forget to follow our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for our absent Brian, and for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs, and enjoy your lunch. In this case, actually enjoy your lunch because we're recording this right before lunch. So enjoy your lunch.